Introducing NASM One, NASM's ultimate membership program, where the NASM community helps each other build incredible careers, transforming the lives of the clients we inspire, and supporting each other as we grow and succeed. NASM One is best-in-class tools, cutting-edge certifications, confidence in your craft, and everything you do as a personal trainer made easy. You're listening to the Peak Physique Podcast with Andre Adams on the NASM Podcast Network. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Peak Physique Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Adams. IFBB pro, Olympian physique athlete, and of course, I'm also an NASM master trainer. Today, we have a very special guest. I'm so excited for her to join us. And, you know, let's play a little guessing game. I'm going to rattle off some credentials and see if you guys can identify who it might be. We've got the reigning 2023 Miss International Arnold Classic wellness champ. She's a top Olympian in in the sport of bodybuilding and wellness division. She's also an entrepreneur, and believe it or not, she's enrolled in the NASM PBC course. More importantly, she's one of my good friends, Ms. Cass Gillis. Welcome, Cass. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you for taking time out of your your day, your week. I know it's a little hectic and chaotic heading into the Olympia. We're very close right now. So how's, how's your energy for the people that aren't familiar with what we do heading into a big show? Energy right now is uh, it's pretty low. Some days it's lower than others, but um, we're what eleven days out now, I believe. So yep. it's a home stretch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the home stretch. But the good news is you've been there many times before. I've been there many times before, and I know you're going to handle it like a champ, like you always do. On this episode, guys, if you're just tuning in, Cass and I are going to break down some really good topics that I want to share with you all today about being an elite competitor at the top of the sport. And how do you balance that with, you know, home life, uh, maybe it's work balance and family and all the other good stuff that you have going on in your daily life. I also want to talk about the mindset that it takes to compete at a high level for long periods of time. And then how can some of those same attributes that make us successful in the sport carry over into other aspects of your life? Uh, let's let's dive in, Cass. We'll we'll go through some Q and A. I want to hear a little bit. I know your story, but I don't think a lot of our audience quite knows your story yet. Let's take it all the way back to the beginning, where you first started, and you know I believe it was around the time your son was born. You decided to you know get serious about training and ultimately compete. Maybe walk us through what your mindset was like and what drove you to start competing. You know more than just going through like a transformation. I think that I had always really admired um, the way people looked on stage. I kind of thought it was impossible to get there. And just the idea of competing itself just seems so crazy that I kind of like to do things that push my comfort zones. And yeah, I gave it a try and it's gone well since, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you, you kind of did some cool things so far. It's going kind of well for you. I would say it's going pretty incredible. 
How many shows did it take you to get your pro card? And let's tell the audience too, what division you actually turned pro in. So I did two regional shows, one national show, and then I went to a pro qualifier and got my pro card in figure. Yeah, so that was a pretty fast journey. And for you guys that aren't familiar with the sport, that's hard to do, right? Where you come in and you kind of just qualify for nationals and then really hone, you honed your skills more so on the pro stage, I believe, um, you know, at the pro level. I had a similar path, you know, it was about five months for me. I did like two NPC shows and then two to three national shows right back to back and got the pro card. And sometimes it, it almost forces you to level up because now you're up against elite competition instead of spinning your wheels for a couple of years at the regional level, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now that's a good segue too. I want to talk about when you got that pro card in figure and, you know, figure being a more balanced, you know, proportion top to bottom division, right? You got to have a certain amount of muscularity, density, symmetry, and conditioning versus wellness where we, we have a very specialized criteria for you to be more overdeveloped in the lower body and the glutes. And what kind of led you down that path? First of all, was it an aesthetic thing? Did you just love that division to begin with? Or was it, you know, your genetics? So before the IFBB had the wellness division, I was following a few girls on Instagram who uh, competed in the elite federation because they had wellness before. And it's kind of just the look that I fell in love with. Also seeing the training intensity uh, of Dee Dee Winkler, uh, just pushing her body past the limits. And it kind of made me realize that's what you have to do to grow your physique um, as much as possible. Um, yeah. Now, what changes happened there too, Cass? I'm going to jump ahead a little bit because, you know, your training and your dieting and things probably changed, obviously, from figure where you had a different split and you're doing, you know, equal work up top and, and in the lower body to, I know where your training splits at now, right? And with, let's talk about that a little, like volume and frequencies on the lower body today. So I had to completely stop training upper body. And then I also have to be careful about what muscles I'm engaging if they are more compound movements, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, like I don't want to load up the squat rack and, you know, do heavy squats. Um, my upper body just grows really easily. So basically lots of isolation for my lower body, uh, train it three to four times a week. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and that can change right throughout the course of your prep for you guys that are wondering maybe the science behind that it's a little different than like a performance goal, right? If you're a power lifter and um, you don't really care about the aesthetics, we're trying to meet very specialized criteria to win bodybuilding competitions. So it's more of an aesthetic physique goal. And there's a couple principles that the NASM audience would definitely uh, be familiar with, like said principle, it's specific adaptation to impose demand. So if we're putting the same, you know, demand on the legs and glutes three, four, five times a week, and we're only putting, you know, a very small amount of demand on the upper body, we're going to get a stronger adaptation in the lower body a little bit faster. And for you guys that are wondering, like, how can, how can you leverage that for other physique goals? You can apply that to any lagging or deficient muscle group. You know, let's say for Cass, she wants to, she might get feedback and say, hey, we need a little bit more upper outer glute or mid glute. So in her programming, we would then look at adjusting something like her volumes and frequency and intensity around those specific muscles. 
So we'll we'll talk more about that. We actually had a question. I don't know, Cass, you might remember a good friend of mine back here from our boot camp. Uh, her name is Jen, and she I'm trying to push her to do a wellness competition, but she had a question for us uh, from Instagram, and it was about acute variables. And what that means is, you know, our timing, set volume, our rep ranges, like what what things are working well for you on an average day. Um, what are the rep ranges and maybe like set volumes that you normally train in? I usually work in the 12 to 15 range. Um, when it comes to hip thrusts and stuff like that, I do try to go heavier uh, for as many reps as possible, but just not so heavy that my core is taking over too much or my lower back. Um, yeah, I, I do like to switch it up though every month or so, the, the type of style I do. I remember mm -hmm. I did have a lot of growth when my coach programmed German volume training, which is like 10 sets of 10 squats or um, we did hot squats or leg press or something. And then right. only one to two sets of isolation exercises after. Um, I had a lot of success with that type of programming, but I think whatever works for you to push yourself um, is, is a great way to train. Yeah, I love that mentality, right? It's really finding that balance and that can change for you over time. One thing that's worked well for myself as the athlete and then also for athletes that I coach is undulating periodization. So, you know, this week we, we might be training in that 12 to 15, maybe even 20 rep range, maybe some more isolated, you know, uh, for us, it'd be like open kinetic chain movements. And then week two or three, we might be in like a more heavy compound type of training phase with lower reps, heavier weights, you know, six to 10 reps where we're really pushing the intensity and trying to break down a little more muscle tissue. And what I love about that is it allows you to continue on in prep without plateauing. And those are just all different tools in your toolbox. Now, if you're training for you guys that aren't familiar with it, you know, some preps might be eight weeks, some might be 20, depending on your starting point. And if you're getting really good results, every week you're making progress, you know, the, the, the scales moving the way it's supposed to aesthetically, your body's responding the way it should. You don't always have to mix things up. Now it's good practice, you know, every four to six weeks or so just to throw some variety in there, but there's other ways of accomplishing that. So, um, that's always stuff we're excited to hear about for sure. Uh, for you guys that are just joining us, this is your boy, Andre Adams. You are on the peak physique podcast. And I'm here with Miss International, my close friend, Cass Gillis. Cass, other things we should talk about, um, corrective exercise. You and I have had a few conversations on that. And this is where we gotta get like surgical with training, right? Where you might have excellent training, you got an excellent physique, but we're, we're now in that upper echelon, right? You're in that top five or so of the Olympia and you're trying to get 1% better and meet very specific criteria from the judges. Uh, do you think something like corrective exercise that allows you to isolate a specific muscle can be beneficial for, um, you know, athletes at our level? Yeah, for sure. Um, for example, one of my glutes, I have a hard time activating. So I remember you guys showing me a couple of things I could do to kind of um, get it fired up. So there's definitely a benefit of using corrective exercise for sure. Yeah, no, I love it. And in fact, um, I remember that, you know, we had a good buddy of mine here, a soft tissue expert, Josh Bruning. And, you know, we were talking about different techniques for Cass specifically to 
balance out some symmetry and maybe add, you know, some refinement to her training. Uh, for, for yours, it was uh, our overhead squat assessment. Actually, we noticed like the feet turn out some, you know, eversion and what we call pronation of the feet or flattening of the feet. And to correct that, we had her actually stand toes forward and then externally rotate the quad. So we call it like upper femoral rotation, right? External rotation to help engage her glutes and then help her just, you know, activate the correct glute muscles as she's working through a squat. So those are things that a lot of people, I don't think they, they're necessarily thinking about. You know, most people are just, they're in the gym. I'm going to hop on that squat bar or a deadlift platform. I'm just going to move the weight. Uh, but for us, we got to get a little more surgical with it for sure. Um, other things that are fascinating to me, Cass, as a mom and, you know, wife and all these things, what attributes um, or, you know, things that you've learned from bodybuilding do you think have helped you in your personal life? You know, maybe it's discipline or confidence or accountability, whatever that looks like. Uh, what are some things that have helped you? I mean, definitely confidence. Uh, competing has drastically um, improved my confidence than what it used to be. Um, what else? The discipline of meal prepping, being on schedule. It almost kind of balances things out because you're eating every two to three hours. So, you know, you don't really have a choice but to be on point throughout the day. And then it kind of just becomes a lifestyle and a habit and it carries over to other things um, that you do, I believe. Yeah, no, that's perfect. I 100% I agree with that. It's all those little things that we learn there. And I, I talk about this all the time. If you can be a successful bodybuilder, there's no reason you can't apply that same mentality to work, right? Our relationships, marriages, things like that, parenting, um, and be successful there as well. So um, I think I've experienced the same thing over the years. I remember in the early days when I first started, it, mine was actually backwards. I was climbing the corporate ladder at the time and I was super regimented about everything I did, very analytical, um, you know, making sure that um, I follow a strict routine with everything I'm doing. And when I started bodybuilding, I, I remember at the time, the first time I qualified for the Mr. Olympia and my boss at the time came, came and just had a conversation and he wanted to compliment me on, he recognized, he was like, wow, I see the same disciplines and things that you're doing here at work. And he's like, it makes perfect sense because you're applying all that same logic to the sport of bodybuilding, right? That's why you're, you're excelling over there. So um, I love just looking at, you know, some parallels there with everyday life between bodybuilding. Uh, on that note, Cass, challenges, what are, you know, things and advice maybe we can give our followers for any challenges or obstacles that you've overcome, like heading into a big show? Let's talk about one today, right? Um, you had an issue, right? Son got sick and you're smack dead like 11 days out from the O. How do you balance it and how do you keep your sanity i don't <laughs> just right. yeah. that's a tough one i guess it, you're just kind of forced to deal um it's it's not easy luckily i have a good support team of people that can help me but it seems like this kind of stuff always happens at important times in my life like last year i was very sick 10 days out from the olympia and i ended up yeah you know, placing well. So I think when things like this start to happen, it's kind of like maybe something good is coming my way. <laughs> yeah. So it's like keeping yourself calm, right? You don't want to let the cortisol build up because for you guys that don't know, cortisol is not your friend, right? It stores extracellular water, body fat, um, peak week. It can make us, you know, spill over and, and hold a lot of extra water. So 
we definitely want to keep those cortisol levels low. And to Cass's point, when something like this happens, hey, I swear the universe just tests us, right? It's just automatic. You've got this big event. I always get sick before my big events. Like I'll get randomly, you know, I'll get a head cold or something going into like a huge presentation. So, you know, sometimes it happens, but, you know, rule number one, don't panic. Rule number two, try to collect yourself, put one foot in front of the other and just deal with what's right in front of you, right? For me, it's like, I compartmentalize it. It's like blocking and tackling. I got to deal with this thing right here. I'm not even gonna worry about this right now. Um, and then, you know, before you know it, you get through it. So definitely just finding those little ways to keep your sanity. And you hit on something very important for me, which is the support system. So that can be a game, you know, a game changer. I think you've probably noticed this too. Like sometimes we observe, right? We see friends or athletes that we coach and they don't have a good support system. Um, and that can really make things 10 times more challenging when you're on prep. Yeah. So for, for your, you know, support system, was it, was it always there? Was it something that kind of, you know, as the success started to happen, they kind of understood what you're doing and, you know, what your goals are. So in the beginning, it was mostly my husband. My family is also very supportive uh, with helping out with my son if needed. But I, I have started to build a, a good solid circle of people around me that, you know, have a special skill in certain areas. If, if that makes sense, like you have someone yeah. that like, helps with your posing, your mindset, your training, like everyone kind of does their part. And I'm, I'm just really excited to be going into the Olympia with the best team I've had so far. So, yeah, it does make it a lot easier for sure. You got to have those resources. You know, I see people all the time talking about, you know, how they're self-made and they got here and nobody's self-made. Like everything we do, we have to have a support system to really excel at it. And uh, I think that's important. So definitely for you guys that are just starting out, make sure you build up that team around you. Now, don't get me wrong. Support system can backfire too, right? Sometimes you'll have people that are just gassing you up and, oh, you look amazing. You're phenomenal, right? You're going to kill it. For me, I got to block all that noise out when I'm on prep, because no matter how you look, if you feel like you've arrived, you feel like you've made it, you're not going to train as hard, right? You've already lost. So you got to like block out the noise, good or bad, and just focus on what you got to do. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah. So another thing uh, we can talk about in terms of just training, we talked uh, quite a bit about on the physical side, but I want to talk about the mental side too. Um, you know, for me, there's there's that point in prep. I don't know. Sometimes it's like four weeks out. Sometimes it's two weeks out. I call it getting in the zone. And you're probably there right now, Cass. It's it's when you're everything's autonomous, right? Everything is on autopilot. I'm not even thinking about it. It's so routine and regimented at that point. I'm rolling out of bed. I'm automatically off on my fasted cardio before I'm even awake. And you know, my meals. I'm not thinking about. It. I'm just getting them in, right? I'm drinking my water every day. Um, and it's not even going through the motions. It's just that you're locked in, right? You're in the zone. Do you hit that point in your training or do you feel like, you know, all the way down till the show comes, like every day is a struggle? I guess I do, uh, depending on the prep. When it's back-to-back -back shows, it's kind of more of, uh, well, it is a lifestyle, but for example, like what you're saying right now, um, mm -hmm. I am walking in, it's the Olympia. Um, but I've done quite a few shows, so it's kind of sometimes you need to be creative and find different ways to do you, do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, different ways to like just 
you, like get laser focused, right? And you got to have yeah. tunnel vision. That, yeah, that's what exactly. I'm trying to tap into. Mm-hmm. What what things help get you there? You know, is there, um, for me, I'll, I'll be honest. You know what mine is, Cass? It's what? fear. It's fear of like underperforming. It's fear of failure. It's fear of not living up to my own standards or disappointing my, you know, people that look up to me. That's that's what drives me to do better and get in that zone where I'm not even thinking about it. I'm just, you know, I'm just doing the work because, right? I'm I'm afraid of not succeeding. You know, do you? So I think it's important. People assume that like, you know, hey, you guys are Olympians, right? You're you're pros. Like, um, it's a, it should be a breeze. Like, no, we get nervous <laughs> before big shows. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I think fear is one for me too. I have, you know, I have my family and stuff. I'm supporting them. So it's, it's, it's a lot. The people, like people put so much time in with me that I don't want to let people down. So that's a big thing as well. Yeah, exactly. Right. There's sponsors, there's everything on the line and it's a lot. It can be uh, a lot of pressure that you feel. So you know, Mike Tyson actually had a quote that I absolutely love. It talks about fear and anxiety. And, you know, the only difference between um, the coward and the hero is, you know, because they both feel fear. The only difference is how they use the fear, right? The the coward runs away from it. The hero has the courage to face the fear and deal with it. And I always try to remember that, like, it's it's okay to feel that fear. It's energy. So channel that into your goals, right? You just got to do something with it. What are your big goals I want to hear two or three big goals for Cass. And and I want these to be like those big ones that scare you, right? Um, maybe it's an entrepreneurship. And we're going to talk about KG Jeans in a minute too. Um, but maybe it's, uh, you know, obviously winning the Miss Olympia wellness. Um, anything like that that scares you? That's a huge goal of yours. Sorry, I just have my son and my dogs running around. <laughs> no worries. Um, we'll edit that out. I'm going to repeat the question. All right. So any big goals that scare you, right? Things that maybe in your personal life, entrepreneurship, business, it could be a competition goal, but what are some of those big ones that you don't talk about often um, because maybe you're, you know, maybe they sound silly to other people, but to you, they're big goals. Goal of mine, it's something I'm not comfortable doing. I'm sure like a lot of people feel that way, but Mm -hmm. um, I guess being able to do that is a huge goal um getting better at speeches podcasts yeah <laughs> um another goal obviously top three olympia uh retake my arnold title and come up with another business venture um right now i have my gene company i do a little bit of training but i feel like you can never have too many you know side hustles <laughs> so just kind yep. of looking for thinking of more ideas to yeah thinking of different ways to connect the dots so i'm so proud of you too so i don't know if you guys saw this but Kath and i were just out at legion sports with a good friend of mine chris Winnis. uh i've got some long-standing history at that show love that show and we did a seminar there uh kg jeans booth right so we um brought Cass's booth out and i think the girls loved it it looked like they had a blast everyone was trying on different jeans so you know definitely things like that that will help you grow in other areas And here's the thing about like innovative people is you've got to explore your own creativity, right? You've got to push to the point where you're comfortable being uncomfortable. And and then, like you said, you know, really just surrounding yourself with that support system that'll help get you there. 
Uh, one thing that I'll add to that too, Cass, because you know, there's always those big goals that scare you. It's funny now. I if, if my goals today don't like scare the the crap out of my family, I, I already know it's not big enough, right? Um, so I mean, you followed long enough that <laughs> you followed long enough that you kind of know that, right? It's like buying a gym, launching a supplement company, uh, buying a new house, whatever it is. But you got to have those big goals. One thing I'll, I want to ask for you too, especially in the beginning, did you ever feel an imposter syndrome. I get this question all the time. So I want to speak to it, but I want to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, all the time. Still to this day, I get imposter syndrome. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're an imposter, Miss Miss Wellness International. <laughs> you know, I don't know. You just always feel like, am I good enough? Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, dude, you know, you, you look at other people too that maybe you look up to and it's like, well, a lot of times we feel like they're smarter than me or they've, you know, I'm not worthy, but here's the thing is you, you know, you write your own story into existence. And the biggest thing, the best thing you guys can do if you're struggling with that is just take action, right? Everyone feels a little imposter syndrome. Um, I don't care if you've, you know, made it and you're a millionaire, whatever, um, you know, you got to start somewhere. So you just be a sponge, a student of the game, learn as you go, explore that creativity. And I promise you, you will do great. So don't be afraid of the imposter syndrome. Good. I know we are getting to the end of this podcast episode. Sure, everyone knows where they can find it. We're going to be at the, you're going to be competing at Olympia, but after your competition, we also have a guest appearance for you guys that would like to come meet Cass. I think it's 2 p.m. Saturday on the 4th, which is just around the corner. So definitely guys, make sure that you stop on out. And, you know, come with Kat. Yeah, like we can even do some posing. We did that at Legions. Um, but definitely make sure you come by and, and say hi. Uh, Cass, let's tell everyone where they can find you online. Um, my Instagram is CassGFit. My jeans page is KGJeans underscore. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. All right. And if you can't find her, you can just go to my page. And I promise you, you'll find her. <laughs> so... Cass, we are wishing you all the best, sending all the energy and support your way. Um, I already know you're going to do phenomenal. So we're all pumped and excited for you here at NASM. And you guys, make sure if you got value out of this episode, all we ask is that you share with at least one friend and be sure to like and subscribe. This is Andre Adams signing off of the Peak Physique Podcast. We'll see you next time.